Hey, everybody. How you doing? It's a new year. Amen. 2024 has begun and here we go. It's going to be an incredible year. And uh, I, I think what we got today is kind of like the righteous remnant, right? I mean, it cost you to come to church today, didn't it? It cost you some energy and some willpower. Way to go. You made it here. We had a good 9 a.m. showing as well. And online friends, we miss you. Come as soon as it warms up, promise us you'll be back in the building. All right. Oh, man. I, you know, the 21 days of prayer is on. And, uh, man, we're already sensing uh, the Lord is speaking to us. Um, we've got one more week to go. And I just want to encourage you, jump in with us. Maybe you haven't known we're doing it or whatever. But jump in for the final week. And let God guide you in fasting and in prayer. It's going to be a great week culminating uh, next Sunday, as Pastor Nate said. I'm just looking forward to what God is doing, and we usually find out about it later, but we're sowing seeds into the kingdom. So yeah, um, I don't want to talk about food anymore because it hurts. Okay, amen. Yes, move on. All right, turn in your Bibles to Joshua chapter 1, and um, I'm describing this uh, talk as a destiny message. We're taking a break from the Acts series for a while. And the Lord started stirring my heart on this in December, early December. I'm like, okay, so the new year is coming. Uh, it's 5784 Hebrew calendar, the year of the open door. And uh, we believe that God is doing something this year, 2024 in Kingdom City, that's very significant, very uh, monumental. And so I'm so glad we're in the 21 days of prayer and fasting. That's coming together nicely. And I do believe that we're setting ourselves up for a great adventure with God. And I want to say this to you. Pay attention to January. We're in it. And there's a lot of sense from many people, and we've had many prophetic leaders globally say, this January, something else, man. Like, God is up to stuff. I believe that's true globally, internationally, uh, nationally in our country, uh, regionally, and in our church Pay attention to January and whatever the Lord is going to do. It's, it's time to stand on our tiptoes. And so I had a sense that I was supposed to bring a message um, about the future and a message about destiny. And so I'm calling this message Stepping Into Destiny. And I'm going to share some things a little bit later on about what I sense for Kingdom City in this next year. And I really feel we're at a watershed moment. We're actually standing at the river's edge, corporately, and about to cross the Jordan and go into and lay hold of our inheritance in promised land. Amen? Let's do it. Let's go. So I want to read from Joshua chapter 1. And again, the Lord just really laid this passage on me. I haven't preached out of it for probably 20 years. And uh, I heard the whisper of the Lord on it. I want to read verses 1 to 9 for you. Sound good? All right, let's go. Here we go. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, to the land which I am giving to them, the children of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given you, as I said to Moses." From the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, 
all the land of the Hittites and the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. By the way, can I just underline this for a moment? That all belongs to Israel today. That was given to them by God. And, uh, and so we, we stand with Israel and we bless Israel in their journey. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and of good courage. You want to just say that over yourself? <laughs> be strong and of good courage, for to this people you shall divide as an inheritance the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous, that you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you to do. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may prosper wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. Say mouth with me. Your mouth. But you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you, be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid, nor be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Is that not a great passage for 2024? Can you sense that the Lord is speaking to us through it? Friends, I really believe this is a moment in our lives, and for us as a church, we're getting ready to cross a river. And, and that river, biblically, of course, is Jordan, but there's a river, a demarcation, really, for us to step over as we enter further into our destiny as the people of God, and for our families, and for our own lives. This is about stepping into a new era and leaving the previous season behind. And uh, this is exactly what Joshua was facing with the people of Israel. They're at the Jordan River. There's several million of them. It's a new generation. The previous generation had died off. They never made it to the promised land. And uh, if you notice right away, the Lord says to Joshua that Moses is dead. And I want to just make a few comments about that because it's so interesting. Moses dies and he does not go into the promised land with Joshua and the people. You can check it out in uh, Deuteronomy chapter, oh, I think it's 32. Uh, just go back a couple pages, the end of chapter 32. The Lord speaks to Moses and he says, hey, buddy, time to go up Mount Nebo and then I want you to die. And it's interesting because at the end of Deuteronomy, the last chapter, it says Moses had, did not have dimness of vision, nor had he lost any strength. He had the strength of a young man. And God said to him, in chapter 32, Moses, go up Mount Nebo. I'm going to show you the, the land of Canaan from a distance. You're going to see where Joshua and the people are going to go into, but you can't go. And then I want you to die. And I'm like, man, if you're Moses, you're like, I'm going to die? Okay. Um, and, and as far as I can tell, Moses did not die of natural causes. I, I don't know, but it seems like he didn't have a heart attack. He, he didn't have an aneurysm, and he didn't have organ failure. He just went up on Mount Nebo saw into the future, and then it says he died. He just died, and, and, and God buried him. Can we have that turned down a little bit? Thank you. Great. So Moses is dead, and, and I want to just make a comment here that for people in a face-to-face -face relationship with God, dying is not to be feared, right? Dying is not to be feared. 
To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord, right? So when your time comes, and it will come, unless Jesus returns before then, you're gonna transition, it's gonna be a beautiful experience. Do not fear it. The Lord walks us through it all the way. And man, I just, man, it's gonna happen for some of us, and, and we're gonna see him face to face. So that's awesome. Anyways, I had to throw that in there. Um, Moses is dead. And it's the end of an era. The people are grieving for Moses. They're grieving for him. They're like, oh, what are we going to do without Moses? I mean, 40 years in the promised land, you're, sorry, in the wilderness with Moses, 40 years of going from one place to another but never getting anywhere. <laughs> Moses was the great leader, took them out of Egypt, right? Through the parting of the Red Sea, then they go into the wilderness, and there's you know water from a rock, and and then there's quail on the ground three feet deep because the people wanted meat. God's like, all right, here's meat, and, and then you know there's manna. It's like, what is it? That's what manna means. What is it? <laughs> and God said, eat that every day, just you know enough for each day. And they learned that man shall not live by bread alone, but by the word of God. And and, and so then they they saw other miracles. They saw the pillar of fire by night and the pillar of cloud by day and and then they saw mount sinai you know exodus 24 the glory of god there the earth shaking and smoke and lightning all of these amazing things happened during the era of moses they got the 10 commandments the law was given to them instructions on how to build a tabernacle and then moses dies and it's the end of an era and joshua is there as the next leader. Joshua is called for this. Joshua's been prepared. And uh, if you know the story of his life, that he was Moses' assistant. And probably at this point in his life, in Joshua 1, he's about age 60 or 70. So he's not a young guy anymore. But back in the day, I mean, he was there with Moses, right? Up on Mount Sinai. He was trained in the presence. He was trained as a leader. He was trained in wisdom. He was trained in organization of people and how to move them around and how, how to lead things. He was full of the Spirit, it says in Deuteronomy 34, verse 9. And Joshua is now receiving a mantle from the Lord to lead God's people into their destiny. Something that Moses was not allowed to do. And if you're Joshua and you're looking around you, you're realizing the guy that I used to rely on is no longer here. So now it's me and the Lord. Now it's me and the Lord himself. He's gonna guide my footsteps. And it's a moment of destiny that's happening into his life. So we wanna look at this and, and pull some things out for us. I wanna ask the question, how do we move into our destiny? And here's the first thing we've gotta do. We have to let go of the past. Now, don't read into that that the past is necessarily bad. We've got to let go of the past, the previous era. Five words God gives to Joshua. Moses, my servant, is dead. Did you know that, Joshua? I could hear Joshua saying in his heart, Lord, we all know Moses is dead. <laughs> We've grieved for him for 30 days. Why are you saying this? I think sometimes God says things to us because he's driving home a new thing into our hearts and minds. He's really saying the era of Moses is over. 
You can't rely on it anymore. Even the good things. They're there, they happened. You know, it's not like God is opposed to history because his book has a lot of great history in it. It's to encourage us and instruct us. And we can receive encouragement from the things of God in the past. But when God is doing a new thing, you gotta put your trust in him now. It's a new day, he's saying to Joshua. The Moses era has come to an end. Time for you to let go of what was predictable. Time for you to step out of an era of uncertainty and go into the promised land of your destiny. Can I say this? I think there's times in our life when we get stuck. We get into a rut. We start thinking the rut is normal. I think Joshua maybe felt like that. I think Joshua, if you, if you know the story of his life, you know, back in Numbers 13, 14, that's a book in the Bible, um, Moses sent spies out into the promised land because they were supposed to go there quickly. They, they only needed like a few weeks or a month to get in there, but 40 years later, they weren't in there. But on the way there, you know, Moses sent some spies into the promised land. 12, 12 men said, go check it out. Tell us how we can get in there. The 12 spies come back and uh, they say, the land is amazing. The fruit's big. I mean, huge grapes. You know, they carried them on their shoulders on, you know, with sticks. And, and they said, but the Anakites are in the land. There's some giants in the land. And it tells us in Numbers 13, it says that uh, 10 of the spies gave a bad report. They said, we can't do it. We are like grasshoppers in our own sight and like grasshoppers in their sight, meaning the Canaanites. By the way, note that, that as we see ourselves, that's how the enemy will see us too. And so they, the 10 spies said, we can't do it. We can't go into the promised land. But Joshua and Caleb said, no, 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 no. We can do this. The Lord has already given it to us. Let's go. But they didn't listen to Joshua. They didn't listen to Caleb. And they were going to stone them to death. Then it says the glory of the Lord showed up. And God made a decision that day that that generation that refused to go into their destiny would have to all waste away in the wilderness. They would not be able to go into the promised land. They would not be able to lay hold of all the good things that God did for them because they did not believe the Lord and what he said. They weren't following his promises at all. Psalm 78, verse 41, and you know, that psalm tells this whole story, and I encourage you to read it, of the failure of Israel to go when they should have into the promised land. And then it says this, Yes, again and again they tempted God and limited the Holy One of Israel. That's really sobering. Isn't God sovereign? Can't he do all things? Yeah, God is sovereign and he can do anything he wants to do. And there are some, some things that God will just do because he's God and he wants them done. But there are some things that God says, I will only do that if you make agreement with me if you walk with me, if you're in relationship with me, and then I will do it through you. There's a condition to that. And the sobering reality is, is that God has given us this gift of will, and we can choose to limit his working in our lives. And there's lots of Christians that stumble right here. They're saved, but they don't do anything with their lives. <laughs> and so... They live their lives thinking one day I'll get it together. They never get it together. They limit what God would want to do through them. And sometimes God has to shake us up and get our attention. By the way, 
Have you noticed a shaking going on? Wasn't there a song about that in the 50s? There's like a whole lot of shaking going on. I can't relate to the 50s, but I can the 60s. There's a whole lot of shaking going on. It's biblical. It was prophesied by Haggai. Take a look at Haggai chapter 2 at verse 6 and 7. And um, I'll just read it for us. Prophetic word. For thus says the Lord of hosts, once more, it is a little while, I will shake heaven and earth, the sea and the dry land, and I will shake all nations, and they shall come to the desire of all nations. Now that prophecy has had multiple fulfillments to this day. It's not just something brand new that's never been fulfilled, but I want to say to you, I believe there's another fulfillment going on here. It's to, it's to get nations shaken so that they would desire the one who made the nations. That's God himself. And so the shaking is going on. It's just, it's very, very evident you know, we're living in a moment in human history when the governments are shaken, the economy's been shaken, the healthcare has been shaken, the confidence of people has been shaken, families have been shaken, educational structures have been shaken, and on it goes. And uh, I just want to let you know, as we go into 2024, that this will be the most significant election year that we know of in human history, because in 2024, Four billion people in the countries that they live in, so about half the population of the planet, four billion people and their nations are going through elections in 2024. Half the planet where people live, there's going to be an election, a national election. This includes Bangladesh to Brazil, Mexico to South Africa, uh, Taiwan just had an election two days ago. Fortunately, they have a good leader chosen. Uh, of course, Beijing doesn't like that and has rattled uh, you know, the cage about that and threatened to overtake Taiwan. Uh, then you've got South Korea, North Korea tensions. You've got arms transfers going on between North Korea and Russia. You've got Iran involved in current events, fueling some of this awful stuff that's going on in the Middle East. Then you have a U.S. election coming up in 2024. <laughs> There's a great shaking going on. There's a lot of instability on the planet. There's a lot of people that are like, I don't know where this is all going. But God knows. And the shaking isn't meant to disturb us, but to prepare us to step into our destiny. Jesus was asked one day by his disciples, what will be the sign of your coming? And in Matthew 24, he said this, at verse 6, he said, You will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See to it that you are not troubled, for all these things must come to pass. But the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation, no kidding, and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines, pestilences, which is like diseases. So think about C-19. Pestilences and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginning of sorrows, literally labor pains. And we understand labor pains. They increase in frequency, right? And I believe that we're experiencing right now in this world a shaking that God has initiated, and there's kind of like labor pains, and the nations are in kind of a convulsion mode. 
You might ask yourself, when are we going to go back to normal? I just got to let you know, we're not going back to normal. We're going forward into something different. And God is with us. Just because the nations get shaken doesn't mean the body of Christ gets shaken. Can I encourage you with these words from Hebrews 12, 26? He has promised, saying, Yet once more I shake not only the earth, but also heaven. Now this yet once more indicates the removal of those things that are being shaken as of things that are made, that the things which cannot be shaken may remain. And then it says in verse 28, Since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. Are you with me? You got nothing to worry about. You got to be alert. You got to be ready. The old era has gone. God is doing a new thing. And all this is to get us ready for our promised land experience. Can you say this with me? I'm crossing over the river. I am crossing over the river. I'm going into my destiny. Here's the second thing that we get as we pursue our destiny. We need to arise and go forward. All right, verse 2. Joshua 1, arise and go over this Jordan, you and all this people, to the land I am giving them. Arise. Why would God say that to Joshua? Probably because he was laid out prostrate. He was still grieving. Now, it could be that you're going through grieving, and I want to say this to you. There's legitimate grieving. When you have a loss in your family or in your own life, allow yourself to grieve with the grace of God. It's a healing thing for you. Don't, don't shortcut that. That's not what I'm talking about. We're talking about a nation here that was not letting go of the Moses era. And Joshua's probably laid out on the ground because the word arise means get up. <laughs> it means get up, rouse yourself, establish yourself. And often the word arise is used in contrast to something that's going in a, a direction of decay. In other words, you could translate it this way. Joshua, quit acting like you're dying. Come on, get up. Come on, rise, rise up. Rise up, be strong. Stop mourning, stop looking to the past. Well, how am I gonna get there? Well, you know what? God has a plan for you, Joshua. It reminds me of what Paul the Apostle said in Philippians 3. You remember that verse? It goes like this. Forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is lies ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. I, I, I do have to forget. And that doesn't mean that we delete from our memory what has happened because there's many good things that we should hold on to. It's about focus. It's about posture. It's about going forward. And we've got to arise in some moments of our life and we've got to step into a new reality. As a young guy in my early 20s, I remember my roommate and I, would, we, had, we had an apartment together in Calgary and you know, we had gone through a lot in terms of spiritual discipleship and we were, we were with a group of people and in a church and, and you know, it wasn't going well. And I remember we got together and we said to ourselves, this was 1984, we said, we need a new beginning. Me and my roommate, Dan. And so we came up with a saying back then. The saying was, looking for more in 84. And we said it out of our mouth, looking for more in 84. 
And we started talking and thinking, well, what changes are we going to make? We said, well, we're obviously in the wrong church. It isn't going where God is taking it. So we left that and we went to a church where God was really on the move. We also had to change up our friend circle. We still love people from the other circle, but we embraced a new circle of friends who were growing spiritually. And then we bought new clothes. We got to look different because we are different. We started wearing new clothes. We got better cars. We got better jobs. And then we said, hey, let's go all the way. Let's get wives. Let's get, this is a good year to ask for wives, man. Like, so we're getting everything else. So we said, Lord, we want wives. And both of us found our spouses in 1984. And we didn't get married that year, but, you know, we dated, got engaged, and got married. We're still happily married, both couples. Still friends, looking for more in 84. I want to tell you what I'm saying to myself now. I'm looking for more in 24. I want more in 24. I want more in 24. I'm not satisfied. I'm not satisfied with with what's happened lately. It's been good, but I'm still hungry. I still want more in 24. I really believe it's time to arise as the people of God. And we gotta take hold of our inheritance. In Joshua chapter one and verse three, this is a verse that's been pounding in me for about four months now. It says, every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, I have given you. Speaking of the promised land. When you're in the promised land, every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, God says, I've given it to you. Note the past tense, I already gave it to you. So how does that work? Okay, if I'm over here and I'm, I'm going to the promised land, I step into the promised land, I go, wow, God, is this my territory? He goes, yep. And I go over here to the left, and he, I say, is this my territory in the promised land? He goes, yes. And I go over here, and I go, is this my territory too? And he goes, yep. Wherever you go, wherever your foot shall tread upon, I have already given to you. It's already been allocated. It's part of your inheritance. <laughs> And and I can picture Joshua thinking, is that really possible? You know, like, I've spent 40 years in the wilderness. By the way, this whole journey of Israel speaks to us prophetically about some very important doctrine. Can I go over it quickly with you? Egypt represents sin and slavery. You have no identity there. You're slaves for 400 years, the people of God lived in, Israel, lived in Egypt and they didn't have good covenant relationship with God. Egypt represents sin, depravity, depression, slavery, yoke of heaviness, making bricks without straw. After 400 years, God heard the groanings of his people, sent them a deliverer whose name was Moses. Moses leads the people out of Egypt, out of sin, out of slavery, into the wilderness. And the first thing they do is they cross the Red Sea, which is probably a metaphor for baptism. They walk through the Red Sea, and they come out the other side. The Egyptians chase them. The waters fall on the Egyptians, and God wipes out their tormentors just like that. And now Israel is saved. Wilderness represents salvation by the Lord. Crossing the Red Sea, deliverance. Now you're alive. But they weren't supposed to stop there. They were supposed to take the next step as saved people and go where? Into Canaan, 
which was the promised land. It was the place and location God said, that's where I want you to be. I don't want you in Egypt anymore. I don't want you to stay in the wilderness for, for too long. I want you in Canaan. I want you to receive your inheritance. They knew this. But that generation didn't make it there because they tested the Lord too many times. The spies came back with the report. Did I tell you about the spies? Okay. The spies came back. They didn't listen to Joshua and Caleb. So 40 years they spent in the wilderness. It should have only been a little bit more than a month. And Joshua is sitting there on the edge of that Jordan River. And he's thinking, this is a moment that I want to get right. I want to get into Canaan. I want to get into my destiny. I want to get into the promised land. The land of abundance and fullness and blessing from God. Where everything is, is favored by him. It speaks to us about our inheritance in Christ. Well, what's that? Well, if you look at Romans 8, 17, it says that we are co-heirs with God, or heirs with God and co-heirs with Christ. In other words, everything that Jesus has obtained is ours. That's what the Bible teaches us. Well, what have we obtained through Jesus? Oh, just a few things. Just a few things. Here's some of the things that you have inherited in Christ. Can I just mention them? You've inherited sonship, adoption, your royalty. You've inherited the kingdom of God. It's been conferred upon you. You've received righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. You've received victory over sin, sickness, and Satan. You've received hope for a future. You've received authority to advance in the kingdom and an anointing of power to serve Jesus and his advance. You have access to the throne room of God. You've been given the wisdom of God, the blessing of God, the favor of God, the protection of God, the strength of God, the love of God, and the fullness and abundance of life that Jesus provides. That's all yours now. That's promised land. Someone put it this way that for the New Testament believer, the promised land represents the believer's life of victory. Walking in your fullness, walking in your identity, walking in the favor of God, not living in the, in the wilderness anymore where, where times are tough and, and, and you can't get ahead and you're starting to doubt things, but stepping into your destiny. It's so awesome what God has given us. And I really believe that it's a promised land moment for the people of God, especially where we live right here. So we got to arise and get going, moving forward in all this. But by the way, that verse, Joshua chapter one, verse three, I, I, I've been using that in my life a lot. You know, every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, I have given you. I quote it every day, every morning. And then I say this, I am laying hold of my inheritance, all of it. And so I serve notice to the enemy. I say, enemy, I'm serving you notice. This is my inheritance. This is my territory. This is my family. This is my future. This is my nation. These are my friends and my people. Back off. Back off what God has given me. Get your hands off my inheritance. I'm laying hold of it in the name of Jesus right now. And then I declare blessings over the people around me. I'm telling you, it's just doing something great inside of my heart. So I'm crossing over the river. How do I, else do I step into my destiny? Well, first of all, let's let go of the past. Secondly, arise and go forward. And then thirdly, live by revelation. So let's look at Joshua chapter one, verse eight. This would be a good verse to memorize. This book of the law shall not depart from your 
mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it, for then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. Notice it says it should not depart from your mouth. Interesting. We might think, well, we need the the word of the Lord in our hearts, and we do. And we need the word of the Lord in our minds, and we do. But if you know the parable of of the sower in Mark 4, it talks about how the word can be planted in your heart and the enemy can steal it. What keeps the enemy from stealing the word of God out of your heart? You get the word of God in your mouth because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And there's something powerful about words in which we make agreement with God's revelation that's implanted in us. Jesus said in Matthew 4.4, 4, he said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And the word word there is the word rima, the now word, the fresh spoken word from God. So when you're meditating on on God's word, and for Joshua, it was the law, when you're meditating on his revelation to you, his word, the word meditate means to mutter. It's like you're mumbling. Also, it's uh, what a lion does over its prey. It growls. You're kind of just, I'm going to chew you up right away, you know? (laughs) So you're meditating. You know, this is how maybe you could meditate. You're just going through your day and you're just saying, yeah, he who began a good work in me is going to carry it on to completion to the day of Christ Jesus. I can do all things through Christ. I can do this meeting <laughs> through Christ's power. Um, yeah, and, uh, you know, nothing can happen to me except that God allows it. Um, and he will never leave me nor forsake me. Um, and... Uh, Your word is truth, Lord. And so I speak your word over my situation right now. You start meditating, and with your mouth, you start declaring and decreeing what God has already said, and it makes you sharp. Now you got a sword in your hand. Now you can do battle. Now you can handle affliction and testings and trials. You got to eat the word. You should get so hungry, you almost want to physically eat this book. You should just like, oh, God, if I could swallow a written Bible, I would. That's <laughs> what I felt like in Bible college. I'm like, is there a way for me to actually eat this page by page? You know, I've heard of guys eating bicycles. I can eat the Bible, so come on. Well, I never tried. But I can tell you this, the value of eating the word of God every single day is exponential. This is where the renewing of the mind starts happening. You start training your mind. You say, hey, mind, you're a wonderful gift in my life. You need to be trained. You need to be renewed. And I'm going to renew my mind through the word of God. I'm going to use the word of God to create thought patterns in my mind. I'm going to take every thought captive to make it obedient to Christ. I'm going to saturate my mind in the word of God. And I'm going to saturate my heart in his presence and my mind. And then watch out. Okay. So I really believe that God is doing some revelation even as I'm speaking here right now. And I do believe that we, Kingdom City, are about to receive enormous gifts from God as it relates to our destiny in the future. I feel it. And I'm not the only one. I look at what God is doing. I look at the open doors that he's given to us in the nation, in Canada, in Quebec. I look at the, at the people that he's drawing here. There's a new breed of people that have made this their home church. It's you. It's us. 
There's a tenacity of faith here. There's a boldness. There's a hunger for the Lord and his presence. And it ain't decreasing. It's getting stronger. And as we go into 2024, I believe that God is bringing other people here. Almost every month we get an email, a text, a phone call from someone saying, I've heard about you guys. I'm moving. I'm coming. I'm moving to to this area, to this region. And I'm saying, God, what are you up to? You're doing something amazing. And I remind myself, Kingdom City is crossing over its river. We're going into our promised land, the life of victory that we have in Jesus corporately. So how do I step into my destiny? First of all, let go of the past. Secondly, arise and move forward. Third, live by revelation. Fourth and finally, be strong and courageous. Mm. Three times God says this to Joshua in that little bit of verses. Be strong and courageous. Question, why would God say that? Probably because he wasn't, Joshua wasn't very strong and courageous. He was probably a little bit dejected, perhaps a little bit feeling like, you know, 40 years, all my neural pathways, Lord, say, wilderness, wilderness, wilderness. And God's like, arise, you're gonna go forward, and now be strong. Come on, be strong. Be strong, Joshua, and have some courage. The word strong there means to be firm, to be hardened, to be strengthened, to be resolute. And the word courage means to be brave, bold, and alert. Have I not commanded you, he says, be strong and of good courage. Don't be afraid nor dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. And Joshua has a major role change in his life. I think all of us over the years will experience major significant role changes as part of our kingdom assignment, as we go into our destinies more and more. God's got something planned for you. You may find yourself within 2024 shifting jobs, shifting roles, shifting titles, shifting responsibilities. It's all part of what he may be up to in your life. And I wanna say this to us all. The era of not having enough strength is over. It's over. God is providing a Joshua anointing for those people who will arise and go. And they won't hold on to the past. And they will live by revelation. There's a Joshua anointing of courage and boldness and strength for those who are willing to receive it. So I'm crossing over the river. I'm crossing over the river. And if you look at the story there, right after verse nine, it tells us Joshua told the commanders, go through the, through, the, through the people and let them know, in three days, we're doing it. In three days, we're doing it. In three days, we're gonna cross the Jordan River. And I picture all those young families, because they're all under age 40, perhaps, because the other generation died off. They're like, really? Is it gonna happen? Yeah, it's gonna happen. We're gonna go into our destiny. We're gonna go into the promised land. And I picture Joshua going like this, okay, so here's how it's gonna happen. You know, when you see the Ark of the Covenant carried by the priests going into the River Jordan, that's your signal to line up at the bank of the river. So the priests put the Ark of the Covenant on the rods on their shoulder, that portable worship center, and they step into the river. God immediately makes all the waters, the headwaters of the Jordan dry up. And then they start crossing. Joshua says cross by tribes. There's 12 tribes in Israel. There's several million people, by the way, crossing right at this point. 
cross over the river by tribes. And when you get to the other side, send 12 men back. Let them pick up some stones, a stone each from the middle of the river and take it with you because we're going to build a memorial to God in Gilgal and we're going to celebrate that. And I picture the people going, okay, it's our turn. And they're stepping into the river. (laughs) And they know as soon as we get on the other side, that's the promised land. Here we go. No more wilderness. No more uncertainty. No more wandering around and living off yesterday's manna, which you weren't supposed to. We're going into the promised land, the land of milk and honey. And they cross over. They cross into their destiny. They make it to the other side. They get all the way across and then Joshua himself goes in the river and he takes 12 stones and he sets up his own memorial in the middle of the river. And then I picture him coming to the edge and stepping. He's about to step into the promised land and he's like, here I go. I've been waiting 40 years for this. Oh God, I never thought it would happen in my lifetime. I'm going in. And he steps forward. And he crosses the Jordan River with the people. And now they're in the promised land. Now they're where they're supposed to be. Now their destiny starts to take off. Now they're on their way to seeing their dreams fulfilled. I invite our worship team to come and join me. And I want to just let you know that I believe that this story inspired by the Holy Spirit is in God's book to remind us as the people of God that there is a future for the believer. There's a future for you. There's a destiny for you and your family, and it's worth pursuing. It's not enough to just be saved out of Egypt and spend our years wandering around in the wilderness. What a waste of a life. Yeah, those people, I'm sure, were learning some things, but wouldn't it be better if you stepped all the way into your future and went into your destiny? What is God doing? What's he saying? What's he revealing to us about our future? I believe it's good. I believe we have a calling on this church and this group of people to touch Canada. I believe that world changers are gathering here and they are significant women and men of all ages who are saying, I want to give my life to something great that God is doing. That's happening in our midst. And I just really believe if we are hearing the Lord's voice, he's saying to us as a church, this is your step forward moment. So I want you to stand with me. And I want you to ask yourself, if you're willing to cross the river with me today, let's just say the river's over there on the other side. And maybe some of you are already there and you're already walking in your destiny. That's awesome. Just keep, keep enjoying where you are. But for any of us who feel I've not yet stepped in, I want you to cross the river with me. And as we do that, our team's gonna play the song and sing over us. And I want you to just get your heart ready because this could be a marker moment in your life that's really significant. There's the river. On the other side of that river, you step into your destiny, your calling, the mantle God has for you, the assignments that he's got in store for you, the blessing and the favor of God, the victorious life of faith in Christ. And if you want to step in there with me, then just say this to yourself. In the name of Jesus, I am not going to miss out on my destiny. 
In the name of Jesus, I'm not staying any longer in the wilderness. In the name of Jesus, I am now walking to cross the river and go into my promised land. And here I am, Lord, one more step and I'm in. And so, Lord, I thank you for this invitation. I thank you for the fullness that is on the other side. And here I go right now. I'm in my promised land. I'm in my destiny with you, with you behind me and in front of me and beside me and inside me. And God, I want to inherit everything. I want to receive my full inheritance. Let me step into it right now. I claim your joy. I claim courage. I claim anointing and strength and power. And God, because this is the year of the open door, I claim entrance into every door that you're opening for me, relationally, vocationally, and every other way. And I thank you, Lord, that you're doing that right now. In Jesus' name. Are you there? We're there. Let's give Jesus praise. Come on. Wow. So I want to pray a blessing over you. And then if you want prayer, come on up here to the front. Let's pray for Kingdom City. Can you just go to prayer with me for a moment here? Lord, we pray for our church that we would hear what the Spirit is saying to us. And Lord, we will not limit you. And we will step into our calling, our assignments. And God, I just pray that you even now distribute mantles in the congregation. Just distribute mantles and anointings for people who are being called to lead, to speak, pray, to prophesy, to evangelize, to encourage, to care, to love, to be the body. And we bless God 2024. We say this is our year. New things are happening right now, Jesus. And we thank you. Let them begin right now. Right now, Lord. Right now. God, I just pray that even in families, there will be a breakthrough this afternoon. I pray for people struggling with health issues. There will be a breakthrough. Because, you, God, you are so good. And we lay hold of our inheritance by faith in Jesus. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen.